0: Welcome to Farm. I'm your host, John Bizarra. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the sponsor of Farm, UTSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is a sunny May 4th, the first sunny day that we've had in a while here in East Tennessee. And so uh, it's good to talk about the sunlight trial just published this week in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this is trifluridine, tapiracil brand name Surf plus Bevacizumab versus uh, surf alone in refractory metastatic colorectal cancer, basically third-line treatment, although not everybody in the study was on third-line treatment for metastatic disease. <clears throat> there is a little bit of background to go into before this, and that is the idea of Bevacizumab beyond progression, so Bev beyond progression. And what that means is, let's say you have somebody on... Chemotherapy plus bevacizumab, they progress, their cancer gets worse, but you continue their bevacizumab beyond progression in combination with some other cytotoxic agent. So, you're doing full fox plus bev, they progress, then you go to full fury plus bev, and they uh, and you continue the bevacizumab beyond the initial progression event. Um, now there is a, a fairly detailed history of this of using bevacizumab in this way. So we have the BRIGHT study, which was an observational cohort study um, where there was an overall survival benefit in people who continued bev beyond progression. That was observational. We do have a randomized controlled study um, that they cite in this article. There's uh, several other examples of this of continuing the VEGF inhibition after the disease has has quote beaten that inhibition and continuing it. Uh, we can even look to renal cell carcinoma uh, disease state whose who's literature I'm pretty familiar with. There was a period of time when we thought um, once you progressed on a, a VEGF targeting tyrosine kinase inhibitor, the next best thing was to use a different type of drug, an mTOR inhibitor. And when those studies were done, we saw that mTOR inhibitors in the second line were inferior to continuing a different VEGF targeting TKI. You certainly have to wonder, what if we had just continued to nit-nip in all these folks? Not that you are going to uh, suddenly get responses, but you'll continue to slow progression. You know, one of the common uh, ways in basketball to deal with a player who's kind of bullying you in the post is as they, they try to push your body into you, you just take a step back, and the person will fall down and committed a traveling violation. So... Um, a bit of a stretch of an analogy, but I'm trying. So imagine uh, you are blocking uh, vascular endothelial growth factor VEGF inside a tumor. So what does the tumor do? Uh, randomly with mutations, it's going to end up finding a mutation that is helpful and beneficial. And you could imagine one of those mutations being some sort of upregulation of VEGF to overcome the, the, the sink effect of this is binding, binding up all the, the, the VEGF ligand. Uh, Well, what happens when you move bevacizumab? Suddenly you have a ton of VEGF able to make new blood vessels, and now maybe these tumors get a whole lot more oxygen, a whole lot more nutrients, and they start to grow a whole lot faster if you stop that inhibition. You know, usually, especially in this study where you're looking at third-line treatment, um, with each successive line of treatment, your chance of response goes down. You know, maybe it's like 50% with each line you go. So you're really just trying to continue to slow things down. Um, and that's why even though when somebody sometimes will have disease progression, you say, well, the drug's not working. Your cancer got worse. That is true. The cancer did get worse. And the drug is not working as well as we would like. But, you know, we don't have that perfect randomized study in one patient of what would have happened if they had not been on that drug at all. Chances are they probably would have progressed faster um, being on uh, on no drug. Uh, and, of course, we have to balance quality of life. So this brings us to, to sunlight which is a, um, a relatively uh, small study. It's an industry-sponsored study. About 250 people in, in each group, randomized to uh, lawnsurf. I'm gonna try flirting to piracil, lawnsurf plus or minus bevacizumab. Now, I wanna point out here that the reason we talked about this bevacizumab beyond progression business is because about three quarters of people in this study had received bevacizumab in the, not bev, but some VEGF targeting monoclonal antibody in the past. Um, They were um, a a somewhat young population. Uh, More than half the people were under the age of 65 for colon cancer. And this is, um, you know, they've had their disease um, usually for at least a year and a half to two years in this study. Um, Only 3% of patients here uh, in this study enrolled from North America. Mostly in Europe, mostly a white study, mostly colon versus rectal cancer. 75, 70, 74% left-sided colon tumor. 70% Um, um, uh, 70% RAS mutated, uh, BRAF wild type in most cases. Uh, MMR proficient in most cases that were detected, and um, 90 plus percent had received two or prior lines of treatment for metastatic disease. Only 5% had had only received one prior treatment for metastatic treatment. They all had received uh, five of the fewer mean All had received irinotecan, pretty much. All had received oxidoplatin pretty much. And again. Uh, more than more than 70% had received a VEGF inhibitor, uh, and 94% had received an anti-EGFR inhibitor if they were RAS wild-type. Now, from um, an, a benefit standpoint, we see a a fairly sizable overall survival benefit, and we do have to give uh, the uh, the design credit for using uh, overall survival as the primary endpoint versus versus progression-free survival, which is not very helpful. This is a third-line treatment. We know these folks are not are not long for life, unfortunately. So you should see an overall survival benefit, is if there is one, uh, pretty early in the study. And you see these Katmeyer curves separate after two months and they they separate somewhat widely for a third-line setting. Um, and we see our progression-free survival curve separate even farther. And it's always nice to see uh, PFS correlated with OS, that's the way it should be. Uh, makes you feel more confident that what you are seeing is actually correct. Uh, our hazard ratio for progression-free survival is impressive at 0.44, way away from uh, 1, which would have been neutral. Uh, the hazard ratio for overall survival is 0.61, with our 95% confidence interval of 0.49 to 0.77. Um, relatively relatively tight there for a study of about 500 patients so we are seeing um a pretty good uh, effect size here in the third line setting you know you're you're improving the median overall survival from seven and a half months to ten and a half months so uh, you know and and that's not just an artifact when you look at median os if you looked at a 70 percent you know, if median is 50% of people have have died, if you look at the 70% threshold, or the 30% threshold, you're still seeing about the same magnitude of benefit here in overall survival. Of course, with more censoring happening happening late in the study. You also have to consider, when you're looking at overall survival, is what could the placebo group have gotten next? Regorafenib is the only other agent that really would be available uh, for these folks at the time of the study. Um, So, the, the guidelines have already, you know, this is already added in the guidelines um, in, in this setting as plus or as lawn surf plus or minus bev with a preference for bev. Uh, so it's not a category one recommendation by our guidelines, but it is still in there, something that I would expect more people to adopt. Going to be a pretty darn expensive regimen for um, a modest improvement in survival. Um, and and there are some added toxicities. We see this with Bevacizumab when it's added to chemo. You see a little bit more neutropenia. So grade three or four neutropenia goes from 32% to 43%, despite Bevacizumab not being a drug that causes neutropenia, we think, um, by itself. For example, uh, a little bit more thrombocytopenia, which is notable because of Bevacizumab's uh, uh, propensity to cause hemorrhage. Uh, so that's certainly concerning uh, in these, in these uh, patients. Uh, and when we look at our subgroup analyses, um, nothing stands out. The, the the thing that I was afraid of when I looked at this study is uh, I know that there's this history of of um, meaningful benefit, potentially clinically meaningful benefit to continue Bevacizumab, specifically in colon cancer beyond progression. Um, and and I saw in the, in the demographics, seventy percent of these folks had already received an EG or a VEGF target agent. I said, boy, wouldn't it be something if, you know, the hazard ratio for those who had not received a bevacizumab like drug was like 0.2 and the hazard ratio for those who had received Bev was 1. But when it's combined, you know, you see this benefit for the Bev population. That's not the case. You know, the hazard ratio was something like maybe 0.8 for those who had not received Bev and 0.62 for those who, or sorry, 0.8 for those who had received Bev. And 0.62 for those who had not. So there did seem to be more benefit in those who had received, um, who had not received prior bevacizumab. But even those who had received bevacizumab, it still compared to Lonsurf alone. That, that confidence interval did not cross one. And even though that's hypothesis generating to look at that subgroup analysis, it was consistent um, between uh, between you know bev before or not bev. There was still a, appeared to be a um, you know a significant treatment effect in favor of continuing bev in uh, these folks, because they'd already have Bev at some point uh, in the past. So I think this is a regimen we're going to see uh, used more of, um, you, know, uh, you know, lawn surf, tapiracil, trifluridine. you know, the big toxicities, myelosuppression. It's got that weird regimen where it's like days one to five and eight to 12, and they should just say Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, for weeks one and two, and then the weeks three and four off. That would be so much easier than the way that it's described. Um, in the PI and, and everything. So that is the sunlight trial. And um, there is a, a wonderful um, uh, a wonderful scholarly work, I'm sure it's out there that you could go into, you know, if you're a resident and, you, and you're in a GI clinic, it's certainly worth doing a deep dive into this idea of Bevacizumab beyond progression. Uh, and something that you'll see in practice if you're in training that might seem crazy is, well, the person has already progressed on this drug. Why are we continuing this drug? And it comes down to what's the better option. If there is no other good drug option, doing nothing is probably gonna lead to maybe some pretty rapid uh, disease progression. And we have some evidence of that with other targeted therapies. For example, um, epidermal growth factor receptor, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, and things like lung cancer. Uh, there can be a very rapid disease progression. Same thing in melanoma with TKIs. Once you withdraw those TKIs, and so for a lot of a lot of uh, practices, we'll continue that TKI until the next therapy is lined up and ready to go in the patient's hand to prevent that that very rapid disease progression. Because the tumors are smart, and once they figured out a way to to progress despite blocking VEGF or whatever uh, whatever cell pathway you're blocking. They, they can they'll mutate right back to the most efficient thing for that cancer cell to grow as fast as they can because that's the nature of the cancer cells um so anyway that is the sunlight study it'll be linked in the show notes to review um and, and i'll point out that anytime you're seeing benefit in the third line setting that's that's tough to do because your your control group is not going to be doing um uh, all that great in the third line setting here um you know uh, these folks are, are progressing in within 3 months in the lawn serve group and within 6 months in the lawn serve bev group so the benefit here it, it is modest we do see overall survival benefit um so it it, it is going to be something that people do um it is going to be a really really costly thing to do for that you know an average of 3 months improvement um in the third third line setting when you have not much left afterwards so an expensive improvement in overall survival, but an improvement nonetheless, in my opinion. So thank you for uh, for downloading, listening. You can follow me on Twitter at FarmDnib, and you can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.